All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first Never Any Mulligans Golf Podcast, otherwise known as the NOM Golf Podcast. We're going to start off here with introductions just so our listening audience can get to know who each and every one of us actually is on this podcast. And um, just before we start off introducing um, each of us individually, just want to say we're a group of four golfing buddies who have played golf together for a very long time. And we really enjoy this sport and um, we enjoy this game. And we're looking forward to bringing you a fantastic podcast um, over the next several years and uh, hopefully longer than that. So whoever would like to start us off to uh, introduce themselves yeah. to our wonderful listening community. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm uh, my name's Dan. Um, I'm from uh, Hicksville, Ohio. Um, I love the game of golf, avid golfer. Um, it's kind of tough for me to follow uh, the PGA Tour because we don't get Golf Channel out there in Hicksville. Um, but I play myself all the time and uh, I just love the game and I can't wait to share uh, some adventures that uh, that I go on with you guys. Fantastic. Yes. So, um, how's it going, guys? I'm Cam Cobbler. I'm from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, I also enjoy um, playing golf. Um, I'd say the most interesting and enjoyable part is um, just seeing how low we can go in the scrambles. Um, big scramble guy. I love my scrambles. Uh, I'd say that's my favorite part about golf and just all the stories that come up and interesting uh interesting things that happen in each individual round of golf all right so uh my name is gary i'm from virginia uh i'm a freshman in college i've been playing golf since i was about three three and a half four years old um so for a very long time um as uh one of the reasons why i like golf is because of a lot of the opportunities that i've gotten um whether it was not golf related, but it ended up impacting me uh, from a golfing standpoint, whether that be like a scholarship to play in college or something like that. Um, there's always tons of cool stories and memories uh, and tournaments and friendships that I've made over the years through the game of golf. So I'm very appreciative of that. And um, I always look forward to making new memories. So um, yeah, that's just uh, my little backstory. So I'm Carson. And I'm from Fort Wayne, Indiana, and I've been playing golf for a very long time. I actually played my very first junior peewee, that's what they call it, peewee golf tournament in Fort Wayne when I was three years old and placed third, which I would love to have video um, evidence of that tournament because I think it would be quite funny to see. Um, but I, I really enjoy um playing the game of golf it, it's truly a a fantastic sport um that can really bring people together i mean it's brought all of us together here on this on this podcast um and the people that you meet and the places that you get to go um through the game it's absolutely incredible i mean you find yourself all, all the way across the country playing a golf course and meeting people that you never thought you would ever run into again and or never ever run into in your whole life and making lifelong uh, friendships and, and relationships along the way. And kind of in turn with all of that, 
you're out there in a very competitive environment that is just as competitive as other sports such as basketball and football and soccer. Although you're not getting hit, you're not getting knocked down. It's a very mental um, challenge. And I think that's a unique aspect to the sport that it is exciting um, and enjoyable as well. So on this show, on this podcast, we're going to be touching on a lot of the events uh, that occur on the PGA Tour and discuss PGA Tour news, kind of give you a preview of the upcoming um PGA Tour event since this podcast will be posted by Wednesday evening every single week. And we'll also give you a recap of the previous week um, on the PGA Tour. So we'll start right off with the first couple events since we haven't done a podcast yet. This is our very first one. And we'll start with the Tournament of Champions in Hawaii. Guys, what were your thoughts on, on that event? So um, I, I was just started out by saying, I know it's the Tournament of Champions, but um, I personally didn't think that field was as loaded as you <laughs> might think or that it should have been. Like, I mean, I, that's my first um, observation about that week. I mean, you don't have any of the big names that you're, you've grown accustomed to seeing, such as, like, Tiger or Phil or Jordan Spieth. Um, I mean, you had guys out there like um, Tyler Duncan, who's from my home state of indiana like i mean he's out there but i i love tyler duncan big fan but it's just like there's so many guys in this game that have been um that are like on the rise and it's just making it so difficult to win and it's the tournament champions but it's just a bunch of different names that was my main observation from that week just the field yeah well um i do i do agree to that with an extent but i mean you look at the the playoff i believe had justin thomas and Xander Shoffley in it. Oh, yeah. Like that. And, those right. and then two- Reed got in there as well. Reed oh, really? Reed? Well, those, yeah. are, those are all big-time names. So, um, there may have not been as many. I mean, obviously, we're missing Phil. And Tiger's, Tiger's the golf name. Like, that's that's oh. kind of where you're at. Tiger's the main name. Yeah, um, right. But uh, it's not like Phil was going to, like, contend anyways. I mean, if he was if he's playing, yeah, he, he's, he's, or he's Jordan, there for the laughs. But, 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 so, <laughs> and to hit bombs. But, yeah, uh, out there to hit bombs. Yeah, out there to right. hit bombs. Oh, On that course, he probably should have played. He would have been hitting been hitting cannons. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the golf course is beautiful. That's the main thing that I take away from that week. That golf course is, is just amazing to look at. And I believe it's got, like, crazy yardage, too, because the ball just runs forever. So it'd be, it'd be a blast mm-hmm. to play. Um, but, yeah, J- Justin Thomas with the win, I mean, just to kind of counter your point there, Cam, I mean, Justin Thomas, one of the biggest names in golf, probably second biggest name in golf right now. So, yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention Brooks Kepka wasn't there either. Oh, okay. okay. Oh, Fair yeah. Enough. Fair enough. Yeah, but I mean, I'm obviously saying, like, there were still a bunch of good names, but yeah. just some of the big playoff ones. Was yeah, I know what you mean. Funny. The playoff was loaded, like, like you said. But The yeah. fact that Patrick yeah. Reed found oh. himself in that playoff is absolutely <laughs> incredible. I mean, it was all because – Justin Thomas, is, on his uh, approach into the, uh, the 18th hole there, he, he off the tee, kind of pulled it a little bit left. It, it wasn't really as solid of a drive as he had been hitting um, earlier in the week. And he he found himself with uh, almost over 300 yards to actually make it to the front edge of the green. He decided to try to get something down there in those wet conditions and just pulled the crap out of a three-wood and it went into the, the hazard, and he ended up tying with Ben Shoffley. They had an interesting situation on the putting green there with people missing pots. 
Um, and a couple playoff holes later, and I'm, I'm uh, trying to figure out. He ends up winning on on the 18th hole when he was on this final hole coming in to the clubhouse. He had like a one shot lead, didn't he? Or Correct. I, yeah. I mean, at that point, if I think like, he did, didn't he? I believe he had a one shot. Yeah, lead. He, yeah. If you have a one shot lead, he bogeyed 18. Yeah, if you have a one-shot lead going into a par five like that, I just lay something up to like seventy yards and just get it within fifteen feet, ten feet, and then like it's kind of hard to mess it up from that point. But try the to thing is, Shoffley could have birdied to tie him though. But still, I I agree with your point. That's true. That was a, I mean, about three hundred out. You got the ball above your feet, and you got to hit a big hook into this green. That's a I understand, like, he's a very uh, intense player. He can, like, play under that kind of pressure. He lives for moments like that, but he, he definitely didn't perform. He didn't live up to what he was trying to do. I don't I – don't, I'd almost counter that, though, Jay. I don't know if he was actually going for a hook. I know he was trying to get it down toward the front of the green, but I don't know if he was necessarily going for the hook just on the basis of the line that him and his caddy picked out because they picked out a line on the right edge of the bunker. And there was a little bit of wind coming from right to left. So I think he was just trying to play a shot out to the right that was hopefully going to get brought a little bit left and bound down that hill. Because in that area, even though it was so wet, balls were still kind of kicking. That's true. Bit. I, I agree that. with that, too. I agree with Carson because I believe, I'm not 100% sure, but I think he just hit a hybrid, too. I don't think he had the three metal out. He, mm-hmm. I don't think he was full sending it. But still, I think you're I mean, right. He was, he was trying to yeah. get it down there a little ways. I mean. Who I forget who it was. A couple of groups before them put it in the stands, way right, and you get a free drop fifty yards in front of the green. I think that's the play. I mean, a few spectators may be taken out, but hey, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Whatever, whatever's gonna, you know, make you end up on top of the leaderboard at the end. That's that's, uh, that's true. The play you got to make. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, here in Hicksville, I wasn't able to watch that live. I've just seen the recaps and. And yeah, I agree a lot with uh about that that second shot with what Carson and Cam were saying because if you can just like get it out there to where you can get up and down from sixty or fifty yards for birdie, I mean you're not going to make bogey. But with what he did, I mean, <laughs> I just yeah. well, I don't think he meant to do it, but he must have whipped his wrist left like in the middle of the <laughs> swing and got quick. That was the result. Yeah, yeah, he hit it down there in the the in the hay. <laughs> Huge hay ravine jungle. I don't know what that is. It's a it's that a mess down, a there. down there. You don't want to end this. Yeah, your ball goes in there. You're not finding it. <laughs> not, and they did look for it for a while. Yeah, they, I, they went down there, and they were, like, <laughs> stomping around trying to find this ball in, like, five-foot tall Even, if, even if you did find it, even if you did find this ball, there's no way you would have been able to get a club. No chance. No chance. No chance. So that was a great tournament. Overall, congrats to Justin Thomas on winning the very first tournament of the 2020 season. Um, the next tournament was the Sony Open, also played in Hawaii. And this finish of this golf tournament oh, was boy. incredible. Um, <laughs> what are your guys' thoughts on, on that event? Um, obviously, back-to-back playoffs now um, to start the season. Um, well, uh, like I said, was not able to see the the showdown go down, but um, I oh. did see that there was a playoff Um Big time playoff at then with uh, who Cameron Smith, Brendan Steele. Yes. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And, and um, Cameron Smith won. I, to be honest, I haven't seen all the shots. I, I saw the results. So I'll let you guys talk more about their, their shots and what they should have done because I do not 
I don't have knowledge on this. No problem. I mean, the the shots down the stretch were fairly simple. Um, simply bad. <laughs> bad. Um, I mean, there, there wasn't anything that, that really happened where you were like, oh my goodness, like that was completely unexpected. You kind of had a feeling coming down the stretch that Brendan Steele was a little bit shaky. Yeah. And you, you got this feeling as soon as he walked to the 17th tee um, with a two-shot lead, I believe. Um, correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I believe it was a two-shot lead. Two lead. Um, I think so. And he pulled it long left of the green, and that kind of sent a light bulb, light bulb off in my head saying, okay, he's a little bit nervous because a lot of golfers, they will miss hard left if they're a little bit nervous, get a little bit quick. And he did not get up and down, made bogey. Now he had a crazy long wait because it just took so much time in front of him. It was about a 20-minute wait from when he hit his shot to when he hit his second shot. It was very long. And uh, that's when uh, Webb Simpson was up there um, trying to play his shot up and along with his playing partner. They eventually got done. And, um, I mean – Brendan Steele hit a great tee shot down there. It was, yeah, it was really a good tee shot. Same with Cameron Smith. Steele was first to play, and he just duck hooked this ball oh so God. far, similar to the shot on seventeen, left of the grandstands in a bunch of garbage. Um, it hit a scoreboard, didn't it? It hit well, it, yeah, like ricocheted off the top of the yeah. kind of grandstand score. It was really weird. It was so far left. His caddy like had to manually walk off like a distance to the hole. Like, there's yeah. no sprinkler. Well, he, he got a crazy drop. It yeah. was around the corner of yeah. the grandstand. So he, he ended up dropping about 50 yards from where his ball was actually at because it was a free drop because the line of sight line of hits sight. it up on the green, two putts for par. Cameron Smith gets up and down from the front bunker. He ends up making a 10 foot left to right breaking putt. Um, Force the playoff and then loses, or then ends up winning. Brendan Steele ends up losing on the first uh, playoff hole, and Cameron Smith comes out on top as a champion. But yeah. um, I mean, it, it was it was quite quite the finish. The reason I say that it was it was kind of simple is because no other player, Cameron Smith nor Webb Simpson or any of the other guys, kind of around where Steele was at, really did anything to. Put put a lot of pressure on Steele. Yeah, Steele just sort of simply David himself. Simply fell. He just self destructed himself because I mean, it's a. It, it was hit to win or lose, honestly. Yeah. It was. Yeah, I mean, like the eighteen, like it's a very reachable par five, especially with like how damp it was outside. All these guys are hitting long irons into the green, so it's fairly reachable. So. Making birdie isn't the most difficult thing to do in that hole if you put your ball in the right spot. Um, so, yeah, like I said, it was a very straightforward hole, and Brandon Steele just completely—I mean, when I first saw it, I, I for a split second I actually thought the pro tracer had glitched out. Like it's like, did he actually like hit it that far left? But it turns out he actually did. <laughs> Was there water uh, to the right or anything? No water oh. at all. Just grandstands up there. Oh, my. my. My question is for you guys, do you think there's anything that he should have done differently down the stretch other than managing his nerves a little bit better? 
Uh, won the tournament. <laughs> yeah, I think he should have just won the tournament. No. But so he yeah he had a he had a one stroke lead right one stroke going, lead, to going to the last hole and he ended up parring it. Correct. Yeah, I mean, at that point, I say that's a birdie hole though. It's a birdie. A birdie it's hole. a birdie hole. So you got to go with a shot, like a go-to shot shape that you know you can execute almost every single time. Like for me, my go-to shot shape. If there's a lot of pressure, I know I can hit like a 10-yard cut almost every time if I need to. It's not necessarily the shot I want to hit every time, but if I need to hit a fairway or I need to hit like a part of the green, that's the shot shape I know I can rely on. And I think he should have gone for something like that that was very, very low risk and could have minimized how big of a miss he would have had because – Whatever shot he was trying to hit, like it was a really big, really really big miss, like, and it cost him the tournament. Um, so I think he should have gone for a shot that would have minimized how large that miss was. So at worst, maybe he pulled it left of the green and still had a chip shot, or maybe a bunker shot, or something like that. But to completely shoot himself out way, way, way left, that was um. Even though he did get the drop like fifty yards away. It, it, it cost him. It was a really weird lie. It was like a tight lie, but it was wet underneath. So you had to use the leading edge of the wedge to try to get spin on it. And it was not an easy shot. And yeah, it was it was a mess. But that's just my yeah. opinion. Yeah, yeah I, I totally agree with that point. Um, I just, I think like in that situation, like you said, I think he, I honestly think he probably was trying to play his go-to shot. Yeah, for like if his cat If his caddy is smart. He's telling him what he needs to do and what to, because his caddy knows all that stuff. Yeah. So does he, but he just needs to make sure he does that. But honestly, I think it was just all nerves. Like you don't miss that much offline because yeah. of it. It's not just coincidence that your biggest miss of the week is on the last full swing of the day I mean, of the, with a chance to win the tournament on the line. That's, I think that's all nerves. And Honestly, I think he just needs to get a good mental coach. I have some recommendations for him, but I don't, I don't know. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I uh, I have a good idea why he got a little hooky on the last two, and I believe, if I remember correctly, he uses a very strong grip, right? I think. Right about okay. that. Yeah, yeah. very strong. Okay. And very yeah, flat. I just know when I've used a very strong grip in the past, especially crunch time, like if it's a very crucial shot. I don't know. I just want to kind of swing across the ball more rather than making sure I swing out. And you have to swing out with a very strong grip. So he's probably just trying to turn back, turn through with a strong grip. And trust me, if you do that under pressure and you don't swing to the outside, it is a snap hook yeah. every time. You know, that is, that is a good point you you brought up, Dan. Because if you notice, Brendan's a very, very flat swing. Um and I don't know if having that flat of a swing in high-pressure situations might have contributed to something like that, um, minimizing his margin for, for error. So Overall, just an absolutely crazy finish there. It was in that crazy. tournament. I mean, yeah. um, it was a little bit sad to see. It was definitely sad to see, but I think a lot of people, maybe a lot of our, our listening audience would disagree with me when I say that it, it really wasn't 
chaotic. It was a crazy finish, but it, in my opinion, it wasn't unexpected. A lot of people would say it's unexpected, but I just I didn't think it was just because I kind of got that feeling, like yeah, I said, I on the, on the 17th hole um, with, with his mental state. Um, anyway, American Express, Andrew Landry, champion. Uh, fantastic performance uh, for him coming down there, down the stretch in the back nine to finish that tournament off. Uh, what a week. Uh Big time, big time win for him and, and yeah. his his career going forward. Um, what what do you guys or what were your takeaways from that event? Yeah, well, um, I I actually was uh, I was actually in Hicksville this past week, so I wasn't able to get any coverage. There's no cellular coverage there either, so I couldn't watch it on my phone. So let you guys do the shot by shot because all I know is he ended up winning stuff. So. <laughs> yeah, so I was actually able I was able to watch most of the final round coverage and I was following along throughout the week. But I'd say the biggest thing for me is two things like um that were related, I believe. The weather and how low the scores were. Like twenty six under par and winning the wow. tournament and like I mean I know I know the cut was after three rounds, but still after after two rounds, the cut would have been like six under par, I believe. Right. Like, there's, it's just like a bubble out there. Like, you're just playing with one mile an hour wind, seventy degrees, and hardly any any other conditions to play against. Like, like in normal round of golf, it's just like a bubble out there. They're just going as low as they want, see a target, right. hit it, and other than, other than nerves, I mean, there's not much that can really go wrong it's just how low can you go and i mean andrew landry was ended up going the lowest but i mean it was just pretty entertaining tournament to watch it was kind of two guys kind of separated themselves and it ended up that um that another guy uh abraham answer who went up against tiger in the president's cup he actually came out of the middle of nowhere because the, the um weather and conditions were perfect he just shot himself back into it while the leaders were kind of feeling the nerves a little bit he was out there so i mean it was a very entertaining tournament to watch and i'll let you, you guys talk more about that but you know um yeah well again uh same thing as gary here um but in terms of what i thought of the just the, the winner andrew landry i think he's got a cool name no, yeah. actually, I was thinking that exact same thing, Dan. I just never said it. Must but just Andrew be a Hicksville Landry, thing. Andrew Landry, that just sounds like a name that would go well. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, that's a cool He's name. a real player. Real player. You know, there were I didn't hear really many shouts from the crowd, any yap players or mashed potatoes. That was kind of interesting. That's disappointing. One of the well, I mean, I've never really heard a yap player. I've heard, I've heard a lot of yap players, but. That's true. Oh, that's yeah, there, is a there is a difference. There is a difference. That's a whole different ball game. But. Definitely a difference. Just how about that putt that Landry makes on the seventeenth hole? Mm-hmm. I mean, if I, I believe it was like an eight footer, right? Right. right. I mean, e- even the shot that led to that putt. Yeah, I mean, to that, step up on an island green hole. And right. interesting fact that I don't know if a lot of our listeners know about the back nine at La Quinta at the American Express. Is very similar to the back nine at TPC Sawgrass. Um, the last three holes of the nine are literally very similar, especially the last two, 17 being Island Greens on both and 18s, and, and both 18th 
holes being dog leg par fours to the left with water down the left side and bunkers um, on the right. Um, and as you guys know, the Players' Championship, which is coming up in March, it requires some absolutely <clears throat> magnificent shot making um, to get around that golf course with a great score. And mm-hmm. and I think La Quinta challenged the golfers, um, especially at the end of the round, um, down the stretch there when, when the pressure's on. But the, the funny thing is Landry played well on mm-hmm. that difficult stretch. The rest of the golf course, like Cam was saying, and – Keep in mind, there were three golf courses where, or maybe even four, I think there was three, where three. they were playing and alternating the first three rounds. Like Cam said, they were playing easy in the conditions and everything, but these last couple holes are no pushover. And um, Landry uh, really stepped up and and uh, performed when he had to. Yeah, I was like what you're talking about. I believe, I mean, honestly, I think the last two at La Quinta, I know it's a, the American Express doesn't really compare to the players, but – Still, I mean, I think those two holes, if they aren't the last two of the tournament, I think those two are tougher than the state and TPC Sawgrass because, I mean, like you said, the 17th, it, it was playing 170 the final round. The one that TPC Sawgrass only gets up to like one mid 140s, I believe, right. maybe. So that one's a long, that one's longer, and I mean, that's a big difference hitting two clubs more into a island green as opposed to a flip wedge so i think the last two may play even a little more difficult and he was like he was struggling to find something after during the middle of the back nine and then all of a sudden when it came down to it i mean he just stepped up and hit two great iron shots inside of eight feet the last two holes and poured them both in for the win which was very impressive so congratulations to justin thomas cameron smith and andrew landry starting off the 2020 season really with a bang all those finishes have uh created a a lot of excitement and entertainment there haven't been any absolute you know demolitions by anybody Mm -hmm. Um, no one has really run away with an event it kind of looked like landry was going to with that five shot lead at one point in that round four Mm -hmm. five shot lead and um and only ended up winning by two um but now next week this is where we really get into the heart of the season we hit the Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Pines, legendary golf course. Obviously, Tiger, 08, we all know the story. Playoff with Rocco. Tiger is an absolute legend at this event, and Tiger returns first appearance in 2020. What are you guys looking forward to, and what are your expectations for Tiger in this 2020 season? Um. Well, for me, yeah. I don't know. I think uh, he looks as good as anybody right now after seeing the uh, the um, the uh, President's Cup. I'm thinking Ryder Cup, but no, President's Cup. Um, yeah, like answer answer wanted him, and he just took him out. And Tiger went undefeated through the whole week. Got the come-from-behind win. I mean, he, he, he captained the team and then was the best player on the team of the United States, which is the best best country of golf in the world. So, um, I mean, I expect great things from him this year. I think he's definitely capable of winning one or two majors. Um, I don't know which yeah. ones they'll be, uh, but I think I think he's going to get one this year at least. Like I mean, he could he could get more, but I think one is a fair fair estimate for Tiger. Maybe maybe a couple other wins too. Right? Maybe yeah. this week Farmers Insurance Open. Exactly. I was thinking that too. I seeing how Tiger um, played last season, uh, 
because like last season was really like his first season like fully back like a hundred percent competing trying to win every single week and um and and it I mean, the results showed. I mean, he won the Masters. I mean, it, he won uh, the uh, the at the end of the 2018 season, the Tour Championship. That's kind of when it all started, and we were like, "Wow, he can actually like he can actually win again." And I I believe Tiger. I'm saying it right here. I think he's going to win at least one major this year, and he's going to win a minimum of three other Tour events. I think that's. I think Tiger has the capability of doing that. And I think he could easily, well, obviously not easily, but he has a great chance at winning at Torrey Pines uh, this week because he knows this course in and out, and he's had so much success on it. So I wouldn't be surprised um, if he didn't win. I believe he would be in the top 10. He would finish in the top 10 for sure. So Yeah, I'm, I'm also really looking forward to this week. I mean, it's just, as everyone knows, it's a, one of the best golf courses in the world. And, um, I mean, other like every everyone knows Tiger's playing there. But also, other than him, it's just a absolutely loaded field with a bunch of big names are there. But um, talking about Tiger, I, I, um, I think he'll have a solid year this year. I don't think it's going to be anything insane. I'm kind of thinking like Gary said. Um, I think he'll one, win one major, but I do not think he'll go back-to-back at the Masters, even though it sets up so well for him. I'm going to go with JT to win there this year. But um, anyways, back to Tiger. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to – I think he'll win one major. Not sure which one it'll be. But um, I think he'll win two, maybe two other events. Um, I don't – I do not think Tiger will win this week. I think he'll be in contention, but – um, I mean, he's, I was going to say he's hasn't really played a whole lot recently, but he did play very well and the president's cup was so late this year. It's normally a little earlier. And yeah. so that was just a month ago or so. So he showed he was in good form there, but I feel like he may have taken a little bit, um, a very light off season this winter. Um, so I think he'll play well this week, but he'll work himself um, back into the schedule and get a couple wins in the middle of the season and snag another major. So those are my thoughts. Yeah, I, I agree really with what, what all of you have said when it comes down uh, to the major discussion. I think Tiger will win at least one major, um, most likely only one major. Um, and we just to, to let the listeners understand or know about this, we will be previewing each major championship um the week before it happens give you a huge breakdown maybe even maybe even do multiple shows um to give you some really good insight about the golf courses and uh the field and the history behind the tournament um but i'll give you an early prediction i think tiger's going to win the open championship this year at royal st george's i agree with cam i do not think that he will defend at the masters i think he will contend um but i don't think he will will come out on top and Regarding this week, I, I think Tiger's going to come out and play a very solid event. Um, I see a, a top top 15 finish um, from him this week at times, maybe um, getting himself into the mix um, maybe on Saturday, but just not, not being able to finish it off. Um, but that being said, um, all these things are just predictions. It's not necessarily exactly what's going to happen. But if he would, ex- he would happen 
to go out there and win this tournament this week, it would change a lot um, regarding my, my stance on, on how the season's going to be um, for Tiger. I think he if he wins this week, he is just going to absolutely um, just blow everyone's mind with his performance um, throughout the, the 2020 season. Um, yeah, one more thing to add, kind of a throwback, Carson, when we were doing these last year, doing our predictions for Tiger and everything, I remember when the year started, I think we both, right? I, I know I did, and it may have been both of us predicted like that he's going to get like 25th and like 20th and 15th right. and 10th, and then, and then he was going to win the Masters and he wasn't going to win till then. And that's exactly what he did. Like he literally just right. climbed up the leaderboard each week and then won the Masters. That was, that was amazing. That was absolutely amazing. So, I mean, Dan, I guess what we could all do is this would kind of be fun to keep track of and for, for the listeners to kind of follow along with us and maybe they could kind of send in their picks as well each week, keep track of, of, of who we all pick. So if we all want to yeah. make our selections for this week and, just, and, and we can keep track of that and see who's right uh, throughout the season. Yeah, definitely. Uh, tiger. Tiger. There's going with the goat. I'll go with – now, this could either be a very – this is a very out-on-the-limb prediction. This could end very well or very poorly. He's not a very sure pick. But um, I'm going to go with Jordan Spieth. Ooh. I think he's, he's going to find his game. I think he <laughs> I think he put in some good off-season work. I think he was very mad, frustrated that he did not make the President's Cup. And I think he's feeling disrespected a bit by being overshadowed by all these other – players that he know he that he knows he was better than than um a couple of years ago and it wasn't that long ago where he was the name where now it's sort of turned into Justin Thomas and Xander Shoffley and but he was up there at the top of the list I think yeah we haven't really seen him in I don't even know how long I literally have not it's seen been him like either. four months maybe right he was not the he's president been cup. sick I think he had a cold before the yeah. Hawaii event that's why he couldn't make it yeah, so I I think I think he's been putting in some good work this off season, and I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb and say Jordan Spieth wins this week. Um, I got John Daly. Oh, John Daly. Bullpen. All right, he can he can really play. I mean, he's got the long ball. We all know that. I mean, he can hit it a long way. He's just John a tank. Daly can bombs. He can hit bombs. Bombs. Definitely can hit bombs. But. This is going to drive people crazy, my, oh, my, my pick here, because I don't pick really with what I think. I pick kind of with my heart, and I am a massive, as all of you guys know, a massive Tiger Woods fan. Let's go. I'm going to pick Tiger to win this week at Torrey Pines, even though that's like you guys heard earlier. I, I, I think it'll get a top, top 15, but I'm going to pick him to win the tournament just because I want to root for that to happen the whole week. I want to root for Tiger to win. That's what I'm going to be doing anyway, and I just want my pick to align with that. So, Tiger Woods it is. For Let's me. go. Tiger Woods, baby. So, we've got Ooh. Gary with the selection of Tiger Woods, Cam with the selection of Jordan Spieth, myself, Carson, the selection of Tiger Woods, and Dan goes with John Daly. Is And I do not believe he's in, even in the field, so, I mean, maybe an alternate. He'll, he'll find a way in the, in the field. He'll be he'll all right. Way, yeah. He'll be driving his cart around, hit, hitting them flag sticks from the fairway. Yeah. He uh, could go – he could, you know, he could be foreshadowing 
understand that he's going to the Monday qualifying. He's just going to try to qualify that way. Yeah, might or know Tuesday. something everybody else doesn't. That's true. Well, he may have missed the Monday qualifier today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, no. That's he, all right. He won. <laughs> he won it. He'll still find a way. He'll still but, find a way. And, I mean, it's 10 o'clock here. It's 6 o'clock. What, 7 out in Cali? 6, 7? Seven, 7. I don't even know what it is. 7, seven yeah, o'clock seven, out in Cali. Yeah. They could be finishing up their final round, you know, in the dark. So he, he could yeah, be, I mean, we don't know the yeah. results yet. I mean, we don't know. still be out there. He could be just playing real slow, and the USGA doesn't want to. Or maybe for him, it's a Tuesday qualifier. Yeah, he he makes his own rules. Because he he got hung over on Monday, so. Right. He missed his tee time. And, Dan, you know, I've been hearing all these technical difficulties that you've been having in Hicksville, you know, listening to, trying to listen to the golf, you know, on the radio or trying to watch golf on TV. I would just like to, to personally invite you this weekend um to come over to my house gary will be down in fort wayne as well um for the whole weekend saturday and sunday to come over and watch the final round on sunday and that way you can uh you know have access to uh john daly tv and uh watch john daly oh, yeah. maybe, uh come out on top oh, he's talking about sunday yeah sunday yeah. yeah that sounds good that that definitely should work i'm just gonna have to make sure i can hop on one of the locomotives running through hicksville it's headed over, uh, headed over in uh, Fort Wayne's direction, and I can hop off somewhere. So I can uh, just got to make sure I find the right train. So on that, I'll be there. Perfect. Well, you know, there's that train that goes kind of by uh, Chestnut Hills Golf Club. Yeah. Oh in, yeah. Uh, Fort Wayne. That's a great spot okay. to, uh, to hop off. Oh yeah. That's yeah. Hopefully, hopefully there's a there's a train coming from Hicksville too there because if that's the case, that is ideal. Yeah, I think so. I think Fort Wayne does frequent. Um, uh, rice shipments to Hicksville, so like there's always a train going. <laughs> there's always a train. Yeah. There is. We right? we like our rice here in Hicksville, that's for sure. <laughs> See, I'm surprised Gary knew that fact because Gary, you know, being from Virginia, um, uh, it's, but that's yeah. interesting. Gary's been to Fort Wayne enough to to understand about about certain uh, well, you know productions and, and shipments that we do um, regarding uh, our, our locomotives. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, he would like you said uh, early in the podcast, he was here in Hicksville. Um, and we, we ate some rice. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I remember Gary saying he was in Hicksville. I actually didn't know where he was at this last weekend. Yeah. yeah I was, he, I was, go- I would left. call you. I would have called you, but like, yeah, there's no cellular service there. So I couldn't, it was just, and you were just it, out there hanging out with Dan. Yeah. Yeah. We were just out there hanging out. We played, uh, we played, uh, Hickory Hills. Um, in the snow. Yeah. In the snow. Surprisingly, they actually had the course open. They wow. just cut. They don't close. The and Yeah. They cut I open. find that hard to believe, really. Yeah, they actually had the course open. It was so weird. It was the weirdest experience. They actually cut out a hole in the snow so everyone could still play. You know, Timberidge does that down in Bluffton. Really? They yeah. Leave, I've, um, I've... The golf cam and I actually played over the beginning of spring break a few days before Christmas, I believe. Win- right? Winter break. Winter break, yes. Yeah. 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 Yep. Forget what uh, day that was. That like was December... quite the experience. What was that, December like 20th or something like that? Yeah, a couple days oh, before Christmas. Video of that, right? It's like yeah, we were, five degrees. we were having a great time. They they actually put sticks in the holes, um, and uh, we tried to we you know when Cam and I go out there and play, um, when Dan and I go out and play, and we all go out and play together, we're always you know normally playing a game of some sort, whether that be a scramble or a or a best ball. We're just trying to beat you know our own records and and stuff like that. Um, and uh, it was hard to go low that day. It really was. Oh, yeah. because I mean, the greens were, like were concrete. 
they weren't it's concrete. It's just like <laughs> over in Hickory Hills. I mean, those things are tough. Hickory Hill is literally hitting off pavement. It's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. The ball bounces so high off those greens. I'm yeah. I'm very excited to uh, bring our, our listeners a lot of content um, this upcoming summer when we travel to different places. I know uh, Eric, which uh, all of you know, um, and the people on this uh, listening to this podcast, our future listeners of this podcast, will get to know Eric very well as he will be a guest eventually on this show. Um, he's got a lot, lot of knowledge um, in the game of golf and a PJ professional um, for a, a very, very long time. And uh, he's going to take us on, we're going to go with him on a few, uh, few golf trips, one up to South Bend. And uh, I'm sure we'll be playing scrambles, a lot of fun games, and, and we'll be very excited to bring you um, all of that content. But now I want to get to two crazy golf news stories of this past week and this is something we'll try to touch on every single week um first story ho sung Choi. everyone knows what happened ho sung Choi threw his driver after a <laughs> actually let go of his driver after a terrible drive he ended up shooting 72 74 missed the cut in the shanghai open and this driver hit his playing compartment playing partner right in the foot or right in the leg kind of somewhere in between it's kind of hard yeah. to tell because it happened so fast but what do you guys think about that oh man <laughs> uh did he get a penalty for like trying to take out as a no. playing partner no penalty wow i mean that's just i haven't heard about that happening on on a pro tour before i mean obviously yeah, here true. at hickory hills um <laughs> that's happened a lot, but not not in a pro tournament. That's pretty bizarre. So was someone Gary? Were you gonna say something or? Oh no, I was just saying. Yeah, I I've never seen anything like that before. I to be honest, I've never really seen a lot of like how do I put it like like disagreements or confrontations like happen during the PGA Tour event. Like I've only seen it maybe two or three times and maybe like the 10 years I've been actually watching golf. So um, I, I, I found it actually kind of funny at first because <laughs> like out of all the time, you always see players like dropping their clubs and like throwing them on the ground, but then like it happens to bounce and hit his opponent in the, in the leg. But um, I mean, I would have been pretty upset too at that point if I were that guy. Because after a while, it's like, all right, you get it. You hit a bad shot. But like he can quit throwing your club and <laughs> eventually ends up hitting himself. So. Yeah, <laughs> I, I personally would not have been mad. I would <laughs> have been. I would have just loved the opportunity to play with such a legend in Ho Sung Choi. I mean, mm. everyone around That's the world. True. He was a big icon back in this summer. I mean, everyone knew his name. He was on an all Sports Center. I mean, people were just talking about this guy and all of his antics and post swing. I mean, he's just out there having a good time, trying to make his ball go where it wants. I mean, if he if he let go of his club, I mean, that's okay with me. He's just he's just trying to take control over his golf ball with his mind. I mean, whatever he has to do, I'm okay with. Um yeah, if uh if that if it was anyone but Ho Sung Choi, I'd be dropping the yeah. gloves. I, I <laughs> with it being Ho Sung Choi, I mean, hey, he can he can have some free golf balls and and keep going. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I just think it was a crazy situation. I mean, it's something you see a lot of players almost every single tournament probably happens 10 times, let go of their clubs or throw them in some 
um, paper fashion. And that one happened to hit a other playing partner, which you just hardly ever see. And, um, you know, I know in junior golf, that would have definitely been a penalty. Oh, yeah. Um, not a DQ, automatic. Golf, definitely a DQ. Um, and I don't know. I kind of feel like, you know, it should have been a penalty. But then again, like you guys said, it's Ho Sung Choi. He's a legend. And uh, so I don't think he should be penalized. It's just, it's just, just the Ho Sung Choi effect. Now, it would be interesting if somebody else did that and seeing if they received the penalty. Ah, they probably like would have got that. DQ'd. They would they would have got kicked off the tour. <laughs> True. The 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 Asian tour, I mean, that's kind of a big deal. I mean, those those guys are out there. So. I used to play on that actually. Uh, Did you? Uh, actually? Yeah, back in um, a little bit, a few events. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you won, of course, but then yeah. you probably had enough winning. Yeah. A lot of people. Um, yeah. We'll, you'll we'll you you'll get to understand that as the. The podcast goes along, and we post a lot of different videos, and um, and you get to see you guys get a kind of a, a view into each of our games and, and kind of where we're coming from. But uh, that'll be it'll happen at a at a later date, and um, hope you all will, will look forward to that. But the second story, second biggest um, event of the week was the whole backstopping debate, the whole backstopping issue on tour and frankly, around the whole world of golf, has been kind of revived. It's back on the scene, and this situation happened in the American Express, the past PGA tournament we were talking about, happened on the 16th hole. Russell Knox in this huge bunker that's just short of the green. It's like 19, 20 feet deep. He's down there getting ready to play his bunker shot, and Kevin Na has his ball about two feet away from the hole. Well, Na elects to not mark it, they don't converse about this, but Knox goes ahead and plays a shot. Ball lands on the green. Fantastic bunker shot from where he was at, by the way. Starts rolling toward the hole, and Nas shouts loud enough to where you can hear it on the video on Twitter, posted by the PGA Tour. He yells, hit my ball. And Russell Knox's ball does not actually hit Kevin Na's ball, and it rushes by by about, I don't know, six or seven feet. Still a fantastic shot, but that brings up the whole backstopping rule in the rule book, which states, it's rule 15-3A for all you rules um, experts out there, says, quote, if two or more players agree to leave a ball in place to help any player and that player then makes a stroke with the helping ball left in place. Each player who made the agreement gets a general penalty of two shots. What do you guys think of this whole scenario? And is this backstopping rule a good thing, bad thing? And uh, what should have been done in, in, in this case? Um, yeah, this is uh, – I got a few, few things on this one. This is real interesting because – a uh, very important detail you pointed out is they did not converse before. And I think that's very important. If they were like, hey, well, you should leave your ball there. I mean, that's pretty much a guaranteed penalty. Like, you can't you can't really avoid that. But now I didn't see see this exactly. I mean, I, I saw the, the article, but I didn't see the video um, itself. So it depends where was Na from when he hit the shot to get his ball to where he didn't want to mark it. Was he... That was not shown. He was on the front edge of the green. He was okay. Okay. If he was on the front edge of the green and the other guy was like in the bunker, 
Yeah, I, he should he should probably have to mark his ball. And then the fact that he yells hit hit my ball um, when it's coming out. I mean, with the PGA Tour, I think they they might penalize that if if it hit the ball. I think they definitely would have. I mean, since it didn't hit the ball, probably not. But at, then that brings up the question: Is should that be a penalty? Um, <laughs> and right. and to clarify for everyone, they did not penalize either. Okay. Player. Okay. Yeah, well, considering it didn't hit the ball, I don't. I mean, and they didn't have clear intent before. Like, I don't see a penalty there. I, I definitely don't. But if they conversed before, then yes. Or if the ball hit the other ball, and Kevin now was like, "Hit my ball," <laughs> they probably would have penalized them. So, um, but now, if that should be a penalty, I'm not 100 percent decided either way on that. Um, it's kind of adds a little, uh, a little, uh, a little spark or whatever to the game by having not not be a rule like can just banking banking off someone else's ball but at the same time yeah. like it kind of can be unfair because if you have an impossible shot and someone leaves a ball right there and you hit it like it and it completely changes your score you were going to get on the hole and you end up winning the tournament by a shot like that that's not cool yeah yeah uh, i think i think that backstopping i do not think it should be a penalty. I think it's their ball. It's just it's sitting there, and if if they want to leave it there, then that's their choice. I mean, they're trying to win the tournament just as much as anyone else. If it help, I mean, if it helps them, but I mean, they're not just gonna leave. If I mean, it's hard because they no one's gonna aim to hit their ball. They're trying to make it in the hole, but if it does happen to hit their ball past the hole. And I don't, I don't see anyone trying to aim to hit their ball. It's just sort of sitting there, and it's not in the way, and it saves time to, um, because if it depends, like if you're just standing there, like right next to your ball, waiting, that's one situation. But if you're walking up after you just hit the ball, it speeds up play a lot. Like while you're handing your caddy your club, I don't know. It's just it depends on the situation. Yeah. Like if you say hit my ball, that's one thing. But like if if you're not blatantly saying that and help and trying to help the other person on purpose, like I think that should be okay. Yeah. I, I find it's, I think it's like a catch 22 because on one hand, um, it, it'll, um, slow down play. I mean, it, it'll help like speeding up play. Like if, if you just don't mark your ball, like that'll definitely speed up play a lot, which is a, problem the PGA Tour has been trying to tackle for several years now mm-hmm. and but on the other hand um if there is no penalty for it uh obviously there's plenty of golfers that don't have any like malicious intent or trying to give themselves an advantage like 98 percent of the time that this happens but you could also imagine that there could be scenarios where they essentially use this rule to their advantage and i don't know it, it's 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 a catch-22 i really don't have much i don't really have a stance on this because i'm leaning more towards that there really shouldn't be a backstop rule i mean at the end of the day if you hit your if you hit your opponent's ball i could almost guarantee you like a hundred percent that you did not hit it on purpose or you were not aiming at the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, if, especially if it's not necessarily like in play, 
or you're not expecting it to be in play. It could just be like 10 feet from the hole, but like off to the side and you don't really think much of it, but you end up hitting it and your ball gets stopped by it. And you're now have a five foot putt for par instead of like a 30 footer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's like where I'm, I'm winning because like there can't be like a specific distance. Like if your ball's like five feet, two inches away from the hole, you don't have to mark it, but if it's everything inside yeah, that, five feet, you have to mark. I think that's just like a, that's just like not a necessary spot to like where you have to mark it or where it's okay not to yeah. mark it or where you need to mark it. That's what I stand. Um, you know, while you guys have been discussing this, I've I've just kind of been staring at at this rule and, and reading it over and over here in, in the rule book. And at at the at the very beginning when I first brought up this topic, I'm like, okay. The rule just needs to be revised because in this specific situation, as, as you brought up, Dan, um, you, could, you couldn't tell or they actually didn't uh, agree on the fact that his ball, not, that Nas ball was going to be left there and Russell Knox was going to go ahead and play. And it was like a friendship thing. They didn't agree to that. It just happened. Mm-hmm. They just not didn't make an effort to go actually mark the ball. And in the first part of the rule, like I read before, it states if two or more players agree to leave a ball in place that agreement was not you know physically verified by a signal or, or, or verbally at all it just kind of happened and, and i was trying to reword word this rule to to describe it you know or, or to state it in a, in a different way um to to make that agreement kind of not exist and if it just happens but then that kind of wouldn't be fair if there's a certain situation where it really wasn't like reasonable for it to be backstopping if the ball was like 20 feet away from the hole and the guy down the bunker goes down happens to hit his ball and it prevents it from going off the green but the ball is 20 feet away from the hole so it really wouldn't make any sense why the ball would end up there anyway when he's playing toward the flat say he hits a terrible bunker shot mm-hmm. so i think the rule needs to be scrapped i didn't think i would originally believe that way but i think the rule needs to be scrapped just because there are way too many gray areas yeah when trying to narrow it down i completely agree like that's where I get my view because I've had way too many times in tournaments when I'm playing and a guy is going to mark his ball and I'm ready to play and I'm about to hit and I'm like, oh, that's not even in my way. Um, I'm just going to play and I won't hit it. It's not my way. And then if it – yeah, I've rarely ever, like maybe a couple, two or three times, have actually hit the person's ball. And that's just – I don't think it's really that necessary to have a two-stroke penalty for – it's yeah. wanting to speed up play. Yeah. Um. W- w- one last thing here. I think just to make it, this this is kind of vague, but at the same time, real simple. Like I think if it's not gonna slow down play at all, or it's it's not gonna hindrance like the your group like getting to their next shots into the next hole, you should mark the ball every time. But if it's clear across the green, it's not really in the way of the next guy's bunker shot or whatever. It's gonna take you thirty seconds to go mark the ball. Then then no. Um. And maybe not have a penalty at all, uh, agreeing with you guys, not have a penalty at all. But if you are able to mark your ball um, without, like, slowing down the the the, the time of play or, um, or walking through everybody's lines or something, you should definitely just mm-hmm. throw a coin on your ball. That's what I do. All right. So with the last three minutes here and, and 30 seconds that we have, um, on this podcast since we're limited to an hour exactly. I want to finish off every show that we do um, for you listeners with golf tips of the week from each of us um, because I feel like we can provide you with a lot of 
um, useful tips that you can take to the golf course um, from our um, years of experience um, playing tournaments and um, <clears throat> practicing and, and, and working with, with different coaches. So um, whoever would like to like to start off with that. Yeah. So uh, my quick little tip is uh, not very mechanical or swing related. It's just course management. When you're hitting any shot, just look at where you would want to miss the ball like where the best spot is to miss the ball. Cause you're not going to hit every single shot. Perfect. You're not going to hit it right on your line. So you got to find where's the, the best spot where my ball can end up if I don't hit the shot I want. So. Yeah, I, I agree. Actually, it's weird that Gary said that mine was going to be, it's a game of misses. Like I, it's no one really thinks of it that way, but like all that really matters is you're not going to hit a perfect shot. Like, but once or twice around, as like Arnold Palmer said that he's really yeah. ever hit the perfect shot. It's just, you have to know where you can miss. And like we talked about with the stadium course earlier in the show that there wasn't really a whole like 17 and 18. There's not really anywhere to miss. You just have to step up and hit the shot, but you can try and put it in the center of the green on 17 and aim at the right center of the fairway on 18. And you should be fine. And Brendan Steele earlier, as we mentioned, did not manage his miss very well either. All right, Dan. Um, well, actually, I, I got one I want to leave him to think about. So, Carson, if you want to share your golf tip and leave me enough time sure. to – Mine's very, very sure. brief. I'll go here real quick. Mine's fairly simple. I think breathing in golf is the most important thing because your breath controls how your body feels. If you're in a pressure situation in a tournament, you've got to learn how to control your breath because that then carries over with how you react into the shot and how you perform. So control your breath, do a lot of control breathing before you get up to your shot um, in your routine. All right. Mine is, is going to leave you listeners thinking here and I'm not, I'm not going to fully explain. Um, you'll learn as our podcast go on, but my little, uh, my little golf tip of the week here for you guys is is very simple. It's three words. Avoid the Kong. I love it. Okay. All right. Yeah, I think that's great. I'm sure we'll Avoid learn. We'll learn the, listeners, the listeners will pick up as we go, as you mentioned. I agree. I'm very I'm very actually well, very I'm, excited for for this tip to be revealed yeah, um, further um, in later podcasts. But we're out of time. It'll, benef- it'll benefit our our listeners yeah. a lot. We are out of time, but I would just like to thank every single person um, that tunes into this podcast. We're going to be bringing you a podcast every single week. Like I said, between the days of Monday and Wednesday, it will be released. Most likely we'll record on Monday and release before midnight on Wednesday. That way you can listen as they're teeing off on Thursday and getting ready to go. Remember to follow us on Instagram at never any mulligans or just type in n dot a dot m dot underscore golf underscore podcast and we will be back with you next week and we really hope you enjoyed this first opening podcast yeah play up thank you yeah play up